Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Listen Up. Do not feel sorry for Steve Nash who has been fired as the head coach of the Nets. He just got out of the cuckoo's nest, and he's the happiest freaking guy in the world. Don't feel sorry for Steve Nash. Steve Nash is like, wow, thank goodness. I got the hell out of here. I get my money. I get out of this mental institution. Hell no. Do not feel sorry for Steve Nash. How about this? The Nets are close to hiring Ime Yudoka. Gee, I wonder what Stephen A. Smith is going to say about this, right? Stephen A. Smith, who brought up the race card when Steve Nash was hired in Brooklyn, he went off his high horse, talking about how that would never, ever happen with with a black coach. Then when Ime was suspended, once again, brought out the race card, talking about that would only happen to a black coach. You know, I wonder what the hell he's going to say about this now. Seriously, what's he going to say about this? Now, Ime is technically still the head coach of the Boston Celtics. All right? And Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN is talking about Boston is not going to be requiring draft compensation, but I'm sure that the the Nets are going to be paying most of his salary. Now, I, I... Most coaches do not have a double dip, meaning that if they get fired from one job, which he was not fired, he suspended, the difference is the only thing that they would have to pay. So if the coach, or let's say a coach is fired and he's still under contract, in other words, he's still getting paid and he gets a job somewhere else, but he gets signs for less. The team that fired a coach would only have to pay the difference in the salary. I don't know how this is all going to work out because he technically was suspended, not fired. So I'm sure the Nets are going to work it all out. Good luck to Ime Yudoka. Wow. Good luck. Good luck with that. What a mess. What an absolute mess the Nets are. A mess. You want to go to coach that team? Good luck. Seriously. You want to be around Kyrie Irving? Good luck. You know, Kevin Durant got his wish. Maybe the general manager is next. Good luck. That's all I have to say to Ime Yudoka if he gets the job. All right, the Kings with a day off. Uh, they play in Miami tomorrow. I was I did a rant on this today. You got to stop with this every single analyzing, every single possession, you know, like it's a playoff game. Go in five game increments, all right? Kings were 1 and 4 in their first five. They're off to a 1 and 0 start now. You know, this is still a very inconsistent team. You know, again, they go out and they allow 30 plus in the first two quarters again yesterday against Charlotte. They had a great third quarter, good fourth quarter, but the inconsistency early in the season is very apparent uh, to this team. So we'll see. You know, again, it's early, very early in the season. And the standings in the Western Conference are completely upside down, right? Think about this. Portland is 5-1. and one. Utah, without Rudy Gobert, without Donovan Mitchell, who have been traded, 6-2. and two. 
San Antonio five and two. Pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing what has happened. Pretty amazing. All right. NFL. You think the wide receiver is important in the National Football League? You think the wide receiver position matters? How about last night, the Cincinnati Bengals without Jamar Chase? Can't even hardly get on the board. We saw what happened when DeAndre Hopkins got hurt last year for Arizona. They went from the best team in the NFC to a team that could not even get into the end zone, couldn't win a game. Looked incredibly incompetent and bad in the playoffs in their blowout loss against the Rams. Same thing happened this year. Now Hopkins comes back, and they start putting points on the board. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams looks like an offense that's never been together before. You think wide receiver is an important position in the NFL? Just go look at that. All right, a couple of things that I want to talk about on a personal note. Tonight is the Radio Hall of Fame inductions in Chicago. And my good friend who I grew up with, I've known Chris my entire life. I think we went to nursery school together, kindergarten, grade school. Uh, He is being inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. And I am absolutely thrilled for him. Uh, Chris and I, at a very early age, had an incredible passion for sports. It's hard to believe that we both ended up being in this profession. Chris is an iconic, legendary broadcaster, and I am thrilled for him that he is being inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. Another individual who I've been really proud of is Susan Waldman. And I've had Susan on my podcast on two different occasions. And when you think about this, I've had some pretty amazing guests on my podcast. Charles Barkley, Dusty Baker. I've had Will Clark on. I mean, I've had Hall of Famers on. I've had a lot of different guests on my podcast over the last two years. And you know that I've had more downloads to both of my podcasts with Susan Waldman than I had with any other guests, including Charles Barkley, Dusty Baker, and many others that I just mentioned. Susan Waldman had more downloads, more interest than any other guest that I've had on my podcast. Susan Waldman is an incredible person, and she is being inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame tonight, too, and I am so happy for her. I mean, think about what she has experienced and what she has done to open up the door for other women in sportscasting. She was at WFAN when WFAN first went on the airwaves. She came from Boston, the Boston-New York rivalry. Grew up watching Ted Williams play, Johnny Pesky, and now continues to be the broadcaster for the New York Yankees. I mean, it's a fairy tale. She and John Sterling have been doing the Yankees for a long time. I'm just so happy for both Chris and Susan as they get inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame tonight. Congratulations uh, to both of them. It's a phenomenal honor. It's incredible. And, I mean, Chris, uh, you know, to share, like, so many memories with an individual at the earliest part of your life and see somebody succeed and us playing stickball and football and basketball as kids. We always used to go to Chris's backyard because he had a really big backyard to play football. And a lot of times we'd play two on two. And we had some phenomenal games in his backyard. Then Chris and I would play stickball at our big old brick school. They had a big wall. We would get our chalk and we would outline the brick wall with the chalk for our strike zone. 
And Chris hated the Yankees, loved the San Francisco Giants. You know, he'd be Willie Montefusco, and I'd be, he'd be pitching to me, Mickey Mantle. And we'd be, like, playing. We'd be kind of announcing the game at the same time. Same thing with our pickup games. And we used to literally be doing something, some type of sports activity on an absolute daily basis. Every day. I don't ever recall being indoors growing up. And it's so different now. You know, the world is so different. We're captivated by our phones and our laptops. And it's so different. You know, my generation, we grew up, we grew up where, you know, you you weren't inside until you absolutely had to be inside because your mom and dad made sure that you were home at a certain time to eat dinner. But many times we would still be late. We'd be playing into darkness, whether it was the football or the pickup games. And, you know, I used to go in the winter when it was too cold or snow on the ground to go out and play stickball or football or basketball. Uh, I would go to the local ice rink and would skate every day for two hours. And Chris very often would be with me. And I did that every day. And I got to be a phenomenal skater, played hockey. And so I was always doing something, you know, as a kid. And same with Chris. And we were always playing games and announcing games. And I mean, that's what we, you know, I'm sure kids just, everyone did that back when I was growing up. You didn't, you didn't like get home from school and go inside, right? I, I nothing. None of my friends did. You know, we didn't get off school, get home, and stay inside. Uh-uh. Went right out and we're playing sports all the time, every single day. So I'm just really happy for both Chris and Susan. I shared a text exchange with Susan yesterday, and she was telling me how nervous she is. She hates these things. And she had already written two speeches and torn them up. And I was like... You know, it's funny when you, I started laughing because people think, because what we do for a living, we are very comfortable in speaking. Well, we are, but not when everyone is looking at us. I've always made that distinction. So I can be broadcasting to thousands of people at times. You know, I'd be on the Jim Rome show and I'd be broadcasting to all of Northern California. And I'd also be on camera. But I wasn't nervous, really, because you have no feeling, you have no awareness of how many people are actually watching and listening because you're in a room all by yourself. Same thing when I was doing my radio show every day for 26 years. You know, you don't really understand the impact that you have with your audience. I remember... When the Kings played the Utah Jazz, and I went on the radio that day, and I said, you know what? When Carl Malone gets to the free throw line, when he gets handed the ball, start counting to 10. Because you're only allowed 10 seconds between free throws, and he was going over 10 seconds. And I, I'll never forget this. I'm announcing the game, and Carl Malone gets on the line, and after his first free throw, the referee hands him the ball, and 17,000 317 people start counting the 10. And that was truly the very first time that I realized how many people listened to my show. I still, to this day, when people ask me what was one of the most like wild moments that I've ever had in my broadcasting career, that was one of my wild broadcasting moments to think that, gee, I'm on the radio. And I'm talking about counting to 10 when Carl Malone gets on a line and everyone in the arena started counting to 10. So back to Susan, I understand what she means because there are going to be a lot of people in attendance and she's going to be up on the stage in front of the podium with a microphone. And when you're talking to a group of people that are looking at you and you can see them that they're looking at you, it's a whole different ballgame because I used to speak at a lot of events or you they'd ask me to MC this or MC that. I hated doing that. It was like, oh, my God, you know, speaking in a room 
is a hell of a lot different when nobody's looking at you, when all of a sudden you're, you got everybody looking at you and you can see that everybody's looking at you. So I started chuckling when uh, Susan told me that yesterday because I'm like, oh, wow, I understand. Not, not many people would get that because they think, oh, you know, you're a broadcaster and that's easy for you. Oh, that's what you do for a living. You speak for a living and that's a piece of cake. <laughs> not when you're live and everybody's looking at you. It's all much, much different. All right, uh, NBA tonight, light schedule, Chicago with Brooklyn. Miami hosts Golden State. Kings are in a good shape because they're in South Florida right now, and they'll play Miami tomorrow. So they're catching Miami on a second of a back-to-back. Orlando is Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and Phoenix uh, hook up in the Valley of the Sun. All right, so we got that. Again, we got a lot of things going on. Oh, yeah, the World Series right after a rainout. We'll get it going. Game three uh, in Philadelphia tonight. So you think we got enough happening in the world of sports? You think we have enough to talk about? Hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and we will put you uh, right on. All right, let's move along. And uh, why don't we open up this show? And why don't we start off with Jay on this Tuesday? Jay, thank you very much for calling. How are you today? Excellent, Grant. Yeah, I finally got uh, a moment away from work so I could call in live. Uh, love listening to all the shows on the app. So, Thank hey, you. a couple things. Um, yeah, I saw when I saw Chris Russo and Susan were going to the Hall of Fame. Um, that yeah, that that was awesome. And um, uh, in fact, I was kind of wondering if you were going to be be there to see see Chris get inducted. I uh, couldn't make it. I wanted to, and it just did not work out for me. I've been on the phone with Chris. I've talked to him. I'm so happy for him. I'm actually literally just had another buddy who's there sending me pictures. Uh, They were at a cocktail reception last night. And as you were just talking to me, he just texted me with another photo. So I'm getting all the updates and everything. So I'm very happy for that. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's great. Hey, on the Kings, you know, any, any wins, a good win, you know, somebody has to throw out their CBA team and the Kings get a win on the CBA team, the G, the G league team, then they get a win we'll take it. But you know, the worrisome thing about even that, that Charlotte win is, as, as you said, still gave up 30 plus points in a couple of quarters. Um, and, you know, Charlotte didn't even have their two best players out there. And, uh, it makes you wonder, gosh, you know, uh, if Ball and Rozier had been there, you know, would have, would have, would have that still been a win? But, um, you know, and that's going to that's gonna happen, you know, but, but it's disconcerting. But it was also on the other side of the coin, it was also nice to see Mitchell, you know, show a little bit of spark of like how he played last year and maybe just getting that longer run, getting that consistency, get some, some flow going because he's probably going to have to be the main guy um, against Miami, it looks like Fox is going to miss that game. Yep. Well, I would say one thing about Mitchell. I thought the Kings played very well when he started when De'Aaron Fox was hurt uh, or wasn't playing at the end of last year. Uh, I thought the Kings offense actually in many ways was better with Mitchell on the floor last year. And I'm not saying Davion Mitchell is a better player than De'Aaron Fox. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, there's a thing called a fit. And I think Davion Mitchell, and again, I don't blow, I don't, I don't make too much out of one game. I need to see consistency for him, but I did see it last year towards the end of the season. We'll see if he can do that again. But, you know, he brings a, a different type of a element to the game than De'Aaron Fox. And I, I will say this, Jay, uh, and you know this as well as I do. If Davion Mitchell starts tomorrow, and let's say he starts for a few games, let's say, uh, again, hypothetically, De'Aaron Fox can't play for a bit and plays very well, and this team plays very well, we're going to start hearing De'Aaron Fox trade rumors again. You know it, and I know it. And again, I'm not saying he's a better player than Fox. I'm only forecasting and telling you what will happen if those things occur. Right, right. It will It will be interesting, but it was It was nice to see that. And, uh, you know, Herder's looking good. So I, I at some point, the, the, I feel like they're going to have to do something different with Sabonis to keep him out of foul trouble. Um, he, he doesn't seem like he can he can be a rim protector and do what he needs to do offensively. If, if he's not on the floor, uh, if, he, if he only play 24 minutes a night because of foul trouble, that's going to be a problem. So something's going to have to give there. Yeah, they have to pick up somebody. They have to get a rim protector somehow, some way. Uh, This is not going to work long term. So you're 100% correct about that. Uh, And I can't imagine Sabonis being too happy right now. And again, his contract 
is up at the end of next year. And he's not a guy that I want to make unhappy. So yeah, th- th- that's a very good point. Absolutely. Exactly. Hey, I know it's, it's not open forum Wednesday, but I'm going to be traveling tomorrow. So I have to ask you a, um, an open forum Wednesday question. You and Charles Davis, um, I'm, so I'm going to be on some long air, air flights here for the next couple of days. You and Charles Davis had an author that you guys used to talk about that had great books. And for the life of me, I can't remember who Harlan, Harlan Coben. Harlan Coben, C-O-B is in boy, E-N, Harlan Coben. His books are, once you pick it up, though, you can't put it down. So make sure you have a little bit of time on your hands because his books you really cannot put down. Every book I've read of his, you cannot put down. And I always used to read them on long flights. Uh, but Harlan Coben, C-O-B is in boy, E-N, uh, is the author we used to talk about. Excellent. Now, do you recommend starting at the beginning of a series or can you just go in randomly and grab you know, any book and... Charles did, but I, I didn't. I uh, I never read the books in order with the series. I just found them to all be fascinated. But I'm sure if you just Google Harlan Coben, it'll probably give you, you know, a little bit of advice on the best way to do that. But I, I never did. And the books to me were incredible. I loved the books. They were absolutely unfreaking believable. Excellent. Well, we'll do that. Uh, hey, I'll be grab. I'll, I'll be listening to your show remotely and uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you have a great trip. Thank you very much, Jay. Take care. Bye-bye. Right, Take care. Bye. Stay safe. Enjoy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, good stuff from uh, Jay right here to get us going on Listen Up, and uh, let's move along to Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you today, Jeff? Great, Grant. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Hey, you're reminiscing about you know, going outside and playing and stuff. Oh, man, the memories I had of me and my buddies just playing a catch or playing wiffle ball. You know what I mean? And uh, I know. Hot box, pickle, hot box. Uh, throwing the ball against the curb or what, I mean, the ruination for these kids or the, these doggone video games and cell phones, they, they don't know what it is to build a ramp and ride your bike over a ramp and see how far you could launch your, your stingray bike with a banana seat and how far you can go. And uh, I mean, it's, all those games, uh, 500, whatever. I mean, yep. we, we would make yep. up games yep. and just, just. I mean, my cousin and I we would play touch, touch football out in the street with the guys. Yeah. All those, all those games. I mean, I don't think kids know what those are now. Yeah, and they probably didn't have as many trips to the uh, doctor's office after we crashed going over our ramp on our bike, which I've done many a times as a kid. So there's that part of it as well, too. You know, you come home and I used to come home. This is no, I'm not exaggerating. So when the school year started in grade school, I remember going out to buy school clothes and, you know, not uniforms, but just clothes for school. And my mom would take me and we'd buy pants. And she would say, now, you better not come home with holes in your knees. And, and literally the next day, I would come home and I would have holes in my knees from playing football on the schoolyard during lunch, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, and so, you know, I mean, it was just that's part of being a kid back then. You know it. I know it. I mean, that was just the way it was, you know. Oh, I mean, it's enjoyable. It's the best times that I had. And I still talk to my, my buddies and remember all the wiffle ball games and you know just yep. that's what we yep. did for hours and hours like you said yep late for dinner until dark just throwing that ball yep. 
then you have to tape the ball up with uh, with uh, yep. black electrical tape. I don't think we had duct tape back then. We had black tape, and we would just because the ball would crack, and uh, the bat, the plastic bat would crack, and you yeah, know, you did what you had to do. Yeah, you did what you had to do. Yep. Anyways, I wanted to talk, you know, about what's going on in sports, Grant. I mean, watching Kamara play and going off, I, I almost threw up. Now uh, this uh, coach uh, from the Celtics is going to be hired. He's a big HR problem. You think he'd get a job if any other uh, firm or any other place in America with the, the sexual misconduct that he did with the subordinate? I you know mean, what? Honestly, I don't know if he would or he wouldn't. And I'm saying this for this reason. I'm not really sure what he did. Right. In other words, that has not been made public. There has been rumors and things of that nature. So I don't really know the details. And so I don't want to say yes or no without really knowing what line he crossed when he was coaching the team in Boston. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I understand where you're been. going, but I, I don't know. I don't know the facts that led to his suspension. I, I understand. Well, my point was, I mean, I mean, let's, I mean, I don't intentionally, I understand. Bring, I don't want to bring you up, but when you go back to what you, you, your, your case, sure. but you, you say one line, all lives matter, every single one, and you, you lose your job. These guys get huh. second and uh, all these, these, uh, you know, and then, then Kyrie Irving with the anti-Semitic comments, he playing in the joke with the, with the heavy Jewish population. And, Disgraceful. And the, and the uh, commissioner doesn't even, he just looks the other way. Let's see. It's a joke. There's no, no repercussions, nothing. I mean, it, it, it's, it's disgusting. You know? The commissioner of the NBA has turned into a puppet. That's what yeah. he is. He's a puppet for the players in the NBA. I mean, you think he would ever come out and even attempt to admonish LeBron James for his callous, ridiculous, uh, embarrassing tweets that he puts out on social media? And he is selective with his noise. He is selective with his noise against hate. And if it has nothing to do with an African-American individual then LeBron James doesn't want anything to do with it, okay? A, a, a young white person is murdered in his parking lot of his school in Akron, and all he does when he finds out about it is put out one sympathetic tweet, okay? And then when the family says, hey, we really need the community to help. If anybody knows anything, sees anything, if anyone has any information, we're asking you to please come forward. And LeBron remained silent on social media. And all LeBron would have had to do is go, hey, listen, I know there are people out there that saw this, that knows what's going on. You need to come forward. Nothing. Complete silence. Still to this day has only put out that one tweet. Do you think that LeBron James would have been quiet if the victim in this case had been a person of color? We all know the answer hell, to that question. Hell, okay. Hell. Do you think, do you think, you know, when LeBron James, okay, goes after a law enforcement officer in Columbus, Ohio, Okay, an individual who shot a young lady who was in the middle, literally an uh, instant away from stabbing another person standing next to her and puts out the photo of the police officer in Columbus and says, you're next. And there's no retraction at all. No, no apologies. No anything. Nothing from the league. You know, the league is hypocritical. The league says we do not condone, you know, words of hate. We don't condone actions of hate, all of that. The league's full of you-know-what, all right? The league is hypocritical. They're double standards. They do billions of dollars of business with China. They don't say anything about the Uyghur labor camps going on. You know, they stay away from that. You know, they're just, it's, 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 it's awful. They take their all-star game out of Charlotte, North Carolina, over a bathroom bill, okay? And their big stance on, you know, the LGBT community, which is great. But then they go and play a preseason game over in the United Arab Emirates where homosexuality is illegal and can be punishable by prison and other harsh sentences. The league is an absolute disgrace with their messaging. It doesn't add up to me. It's all about wokeness and it's all about being politically correct. And for the league to put out a statement, and I did a whole podcast on this today, by the way, for the league to put out a statement that they put out on October 29th, 
after Kyrie Irving's press conference where they don't even mention Kyrie Irving by name, but mention anti-Semitic words. It's it's disgraceful. It's a joke. Oh. The league should be ashamed of themselves. Mr. Stern is rolling in his grave. He sure as hell is. You're absolutely right. Because I'll tell you this much, David Stern would not be putting up with this. David Stern would have absolutely had Kyrie Irving in front of him in his office, and he would be reprimanding him. He would be suspending him, and there would be action, unlike the commissioner Adam Silver now, who doesn't do a damn thing, is afraid to admonish his players, never comes out and criticizes his players. It's an absolute joke. The man is a puppet. It's disgusting. Hey, uh, changing subjects. So what what trade today then? I mean, it's been a phenomenal week. I mean, yep. trade, you know, with McCaffrey going to the 49ers. And what trade today do you think was the best trade and that will help uh, the team the most? Uh, what I trade? think I think Miami, I think Miami getting Bradley Chubb from Denver uh, is the most impressive pickup. I think he's going to really help out their defense. They also picked up Jeff Wilson from the Niners, mm-hmm. who is reunited with their coach, McDaniel. So I, But I think getting Bradley Chubb for the Dolphins, that's the one that sticks out to me. Okay, right on. All right, well, thank you, Grant. I just, you know, I'm glad I did, you know, you hit you hit home with me with being a, brought back some awesome memories. Thank you, buddy. Kid, and I feel sorry for my grandsons and my grandkids yep. that, can't can't enjoy going outside and playing. It's a joke. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Bye. All right. Let's move on. Let's get to uh, Connor. Connor, welcome to the show. How are you today, Connor? Doing good. How are you, Grant? Good, Connor. So I was gonna talk about the Kings and stuff, but instead yeah. I have a question for you. Um, which league do you think has run worse between the NBA and the NFL? It's a fabulous question. I'm going to say the NFL. Uh, I'm going to say Roger Goodell is the worst sports commissioner that I can remember in many, many years. And that's saying something with Rob Manfred, who's the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Roger Goodell's leadership in regards to social issues, in regards to domestic violence, in regards to acts of misbehavior in the National Football League and the uh, stance that the NFL has taken, punishment, et cetera, is an embarrassment. And Roger Goodell, who makes, what, $40 million a year or $60 million a year, is still the commissioner of the National Football League for one reason and one reason only. He is an employee of the owners of the National Football League, and they're making money left and right. And Roger Goodell continues to put together mammoth TV deals for the league. And that's why he is still the commissioner. But as far as his record on all of the things that I just mentioned, I mean, this social messaging that goes on in the National Football League is so, it turns me off. But yet I watch the games. I'm so sick and tired of seeing these stupid ass messages on the back of players' helmets and on the field. It's an insult. I really is. When I when I see a camera zoom up and I see the back of a player's helmet with one of the six messages, it just it, it upsets me. It makes me mad. Doesn't make me mad enough to turn the game off, but it puts a bad taste in my mouth. And the, again, the commissioner, you want to talk about hypocrisy. You know, you want to talk about being hypocritical. You know, the the commissioner has no problem taking a rapper with violent racist lyrics. Okay, and putting them on the halftime show that is watched by millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people. But he has no problem putting end racism on his field in 32 stadiums in America or 31 or I should say 30 because some stadiums are shared. But you get the point that I'm trying to make. All right. I mean, he wants to put end racism and it takes all of us. But no problem. When we got all of America watching, let's put a rap star on stage with their lyrics about killing police officers, about the N-word, about sexual violence towards women in the lyrics of songs. That's okay, but oh, and racism. The messaging in the NFL is back ass backwards. That's how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, on the field, it says it takes all of us and hate Black Lives Matter, but 
Alvin Kamara, it's a joke. Watson, they're all still on the field. It's a joke. It's an absolute embarrassment is what it is. It's an absolute embarrassment. You know, stop hate. You got a player walking off the field and knocking down a worker, a photographer for ESPN in Devontae Adams. Oh, but let's stop hate. I mean, we can go on and on. Let's stop hate. But in the preseason, you know, we've got Aaron Donald of the LA Rams taking his helmet off and using it as a weapon to go and hit another player. Anything happened to Aaron Donald? Nope, nothing happened to him at all. Again, the messaging in the National Football League is an absolute joke. And I blame it all 100% on the commissioner, Roger Goodell. A joke. An absolute joke. Now, I'll say one thing about Adam Silver that I give him credit for, okay? Adam Silver came out uh, after the bubble, all right, and, and acknowledged and admitted that the league made a mistake with their Black Lives matter messaging at the bubble in orlando and he said listen in retrospect we went overboard with our messaging and yet we encourage and like our players taking a stance on important issues that they believe in all right and he said we will always always encourage our players to stick up for what they believe in but we have to acknowledge that there are many people that tune in the game to watch the game and so there will not be the Black Lives Matter messaging in our arenas and on our courts moving forward. He also said, and our players will be standing for the national anthem. And the players all stood for the national anthem. So I do give Adam Silver credit for that. Roger Goodell, on the other hand, I mean, is a joke. It's an absolute disgrace. He would never come out and acknowledge that. I mean, years later, he acknowledged, you know, talk, did a complete 180 on Colin Kaepernick. You know, the whole thing's a joke. It's an absolute joke. It's all about political correctness. It's all about selling tickets. It's all about keeping your sponsors happy. You know, it has nothing to do with what's right or wrong. What's right or wrong in society, in professional sports, doesn't matter anymore. Do you think Roger Goodell or Adam Silver give a damn what's right or what's wrong? They don't give a damn about what's right or what's wrong. You know what they care about? How much money is their league making? That's what they care about. That's where we're at in today's day and age in this country. Yeah, I mean, the NFL is terrible, but I don't think the NBA is too far behind. I mean, look at – They're not – I mean, I can't believe, like, the whole Myers-Leonard situation, comparing that to Kyrie Irving, what's going on now. It's a joke. Uh, It's – like, is it – is it because one's black and one's white, or is it because one's an all-star and one is a role player? Like – I don't well, I, I think, I, well, I've, I've done a podcast on this and I've given examples. So let's go back and give some examples. Myers Leonard's playing a video game on the internet and uses a derogatory term towards Jewish people. Myers Leonard said that he had no idea that that's what the word meant and he just used it. So I went out to a restaurant in Miami and I talked to some people that I knew and I said, hey, I'm just curious. Do you know what this word means? And I had a 39-year-old black woman look at me and say, what's that word? Said, no, I've never heard of that. I called the bartender over. Bartender has lived in America for over 20 years, but is from Peru. Speaks great English. Wouldn't even know that she's from a, a different country. And I said, have you ever heard this word before? She goes, no, what is that? Okay. And I had another individual, white person, my age. I said, do you know what this word? He goes, yeah, sure. He goes, that's a derogatory term towards a Jewish person. So I started asking other people. The majority of people that I asked about the word that Myers Leonard used, they didn't know what it meant. So I believed Myers Leonard. I believed his apology was sincere. I accepted his apology. And what happened to him? He was suspended for a week without pay by the NBA. Miami then traded him to Oklahoma City. He was then cut. He no longer was playing in the NBA. In the summer of 2020, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, again, makes anti-Semitic comments uh, that were beyond egregious. The NFL doesn't even come out with a statement. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Not even a statement. Carlton Davis, starting defensive back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uses a derogatory slur about an Asian person. Okay? Very derogatory, awful word, slur for an Asian person. 
Nothing from Roger Goodell in the NFL league office. Nothing. Zero. Nothing at all. So there is a double standard in this country. There is a league full of hypocrites that run the league. And there's no rhyme or reason about, you know, we hear about hate speech. Nonsense. The league only cares about one thing. How much money are they making for their owners? And the second thing they care about is keeping their players happy. It is a freaking joke. How can the league not come out, the National Football League and Roger Goodell, and not even come out with a statement after Deshaun Jackson's egregious, awful, despicable, uh, uh, it, it was horrible, and Carlton Davis of the Buccaneers uses a derogatory slur, a awful slur towards an Asian person, and again, the league is completely mum. The league is completely silent. It's an absolute joke. You have Deshaun Watson who has said, what is now, 23 of 24 civil suits, right? And now there's another one that is now uh, going through the judicial system. He's going to be back on the football field in just a few weeks, correct? You have Alvin Kamara, who has been charged, okay, with felony battery assault, all right, or felony assault battery, however the hell you say it. Had The police of Las Vegas have video, surveillance video, of the alleged attack on the victim who went to the hospital with variety of injuries, including a broken orbital bone in his eye, right? And Alvin Kamara's playing. Why? Because the court system in this country is so screwed up and is so backlogged that his case has been moved two or three times. And because of that, he's playing. And yet there's video evidence. There was video evidence of Ray Rice and what he did to his fiance at the time in the elevator, he never stepped on the football field again. Why? Because we saw that, all right? The NFL has seen the video of Alvin Kamara. The NFL has the video. They've done their own investigation. Alvin Kamara has even admitted in hitting the victim in this case with his three buddies. They beat the hell out of this guy. And Alvin Kamara lied, absolutely lied about what happened because the video did not support what he told the police, and yet he is playing every week in the National Football League. So is there a hypocrisy going on in the league? Yes. Is the league hypocritical? Yes. Is the league full of double standards? Yes, it is. It is an absolute joke is what it is. And the commissioner, Roger Goodell, should be ashamed of himself. Yeah, I mean, one more story that comes to mind of, like, I mean, I don't blame the players for, like, not standing up and stuff because, I mean, they basically just get driven out of the league. I mean, this player still plays, but, I mean, look at what happened in the bubble with Jonathan Isaac. I mean, he was, like, the only player that stood for the national anthem, and he got absolutely bombarded online and stuff. Yep. I mean, it's yep. embarrassing. Hey, when you as an American citizen have to apologize for standing for the national anthem, then you know how messed up our country is. Drew Brees had to do it. Drew Brees, I'll never forget this, all right? Drew Brees, as you well know, in the summer of 2020, right after I put out on social media, All Lives Matter, every single one, talked about how he believed that you should stand for the national anthem, patriotic, talked about the troops, talked about how he always puts his hand on his heart, talked about what he believes in, and he got absolutely raked over the coals by many of his own teammates. It, and, and then he comes out and makes an apology, and it was worse. It was absolutely worse when he apologized on Instagram with a video. Then he came out with another apology and had to admit that what he said was wrong because he was in a corner and had to get the venom off of him. So he had to come out and then apologize. It, that, that's the world that we're living in and said, oh, you know, I didn't really mean it like that. I support people that want to kneel for the anthem. You know what? You should never, ever have to, you know, change your beliefs and what your belief system is. If you believe that you should stand for the national anthem, then come out and say you believe that we should stand for the national anthem if you're American. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I also don't have a problem with people if they don't want to stand. It's your own decision to make as a person of this country. I don't agree with it, okay? I'm bothered by it. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't like it when someone doesn't stand for the anthem, but I acknowledge that there that there's a, that that is their right. And so, you know, I, that, that's where my stance is. So when Charles Barkley called me, Charles Barkley was one of the first people that week uh, that called me. 
And when I mean first people, someone that wasn't like my friend who had my phone number. Charles didn't have my phone number. Charles calls me and says, I can't believe what happened to you. And we talked for, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. He said, I just came from spending two days with Drew Brees. And I'm like, wow. And he was telling me how pissed he was at the teammates of Drew Brees for throwing him under the bus. He said, this is a guy that has done so much for the inner city and the people of need in New Orleans. This guy has done so much with his charitable work, and yet his teammates are throwing him under the bus because he believes in standing for the national anthem and that it's patriotic. And Charles Barkley was telling me that he just spent two days with Drew Brees. And I'm thinking, wow, how freaking unbelievable is that? But what, what is so sad is that Drew Brees had to come out and then apologize for saying that he believes that you, everyone should stand for the national anthem. You know, again, that's the country we were living in. But again, I go back to Roger Goodell. There's no rhyme or reason with Goodell. There's no consistency with Roger Goodell. It's all about being woke. It's all about being politically correct. And it's all about keeping his owners happy. That's all that matters. Make money, make money, make money. And you know what? If something bad happens, but we're still making money, no problem. We're going to turn our head the other way. We're going to ignore this aspect of hate that is going on in our society. You know why? Because our league is making money. Are we going to come out as a league and make a statement about Deshaun Jackson and his anti-Semitic comments? Nope. Are we going to come out and make a statement about Carlton Davis and bring light to his slur about Asian people? Nope. We're just going to let it go by because you know what? There'll be a new news cycle when I wake up in the morning and Carlton Davis's awful slur towards Asian people will be forgotten among the mainstream media because there will be another big story tomorrow. So we're just going to stay hush hush and we're not even going to talk about it. And by tomorrow morning, when everyone wakes up, that news cycle will have changed. That's how the league operates. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, I mean, we could go all day and night with more examples. I mean, we haven't even talked about Draymond Green yet, but oh. I think I just yeah, Draymond Green. Things. Draymond Green calls Kendrick Perkins uses a racial slur that starts with the letter C and ends with the letter N. And you know what? Does the league admonish Draymond Green? Nope. Do they put out a statement about hate speech about Draymond Green? Nope. But anti-Semitic comments made by Kyrie Irving over a film that he watched, they have to put out a statement. But let's not mention the player's name. The league didn't even do that with Draymond Green. Why? I think it's because you had a black person using a slur towards another black person. What do you think would have happened if Luka Doncic had said that about Kendrick Perkins? What do you think would have happened if another white player in the NBA used that word to describe Kendrick Perkins. You think the league would have been quiet? You think the league would have just been hush-hush? Do you think the league would have ignored that? Hell no. It would have been on front-page news. The league would have suspended that individual, and maybe that individual would still be out of work right now. You and I both know that's exactly what would happen. And until you start having a system where in the NBA – and the NFL, and we're holding it to these two leagues right now, until you have a standard that is the same for everyone, you're still going to have the disgust and disdain from people like Jeff, you, and me, and so many others, because you cannot have a league where Myers Leonard loses his job for an anti-Semitic word, and you have another individual, such as a Kyrie Irving, or name others, that basically get their hand slapped and they're on the court the next night playing or on the field the next night playing or whatever the case may be. You can not run your league that way. It is a shame. It's a travesty is what it is. Yeah, and then one more example. I don't really remember the details, but didn't Montrez Harrell like say something to Luka Doncic and nothing happened? Yes, he called him. I believe the term was a uh, – a uh, bitch ass white boy. Wow. <laughs> All right, I just wanted to nothing happened. Gears. Nothing from the NBA. Yep. One more question. I know I've taken up a lot of Go time, ahead. but pretty upset that the Giants didn't get any receiver at the deadline. That was pretty bad. You know what I think? Here's where I think the Giants are at. 
the Giants understand that this year is a building block, and it's been one that already is six and two. And they're not waving the towel, but they've won six games with the lineup the way it is. And they know, they know in the walls of that office, they're not as good as Dallas, and they know they're not as good as Philadelphia. All right. And they do not want to mortgage the future, which is what they'd be doing by picking up an available wide receiver that may or really may not help them if they make the playoffs in January. That's how I believe they went. They are like, we are not going to mortgage what we have in our future. We're not giving away a high draft pick because we are going to build a championship team and we're not going to take our eyes off the grand prize. I believe that was the thought process. And I'm okay with that, Connor, because you can say whatever you want about the Giants. They're not as good as Dallas and they're not as good as Philadelphia. They're not as good as San Francisco. I mean, I'll just stop right there. This team's not going to win this year in the playoffs. They're just not. They're not good enough. But they've already gone leaps and for, leaps and bounds forward, and they know that the future is bright. They're going to have a good salary cap situation here around the corner, and they want their draft picks. That's how they're going about this, and I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, a little trip down memory lane. I remember the first time I was on your show, I asked you, would Daniel Jones be on the team next year in your opinion? And you said no. But if right. he made the playoffs, he would. I mean, do you think yes. that he's more than likely going to be on the team next year at this point? Yes, I do. I think he's taking care of his biggest efficiency with his taking care of the football. And uh, I think he has been one of the most underrated performers in the National Football League this year. By the way, I was very happy that last week, you know, the, the, the game that he had the week before Seattle, uh, he was named the offensive uh, player of the week in the NFC. So, you know, good for him. That was the third time, by the way, that he's had that occur in his career. But I think he's having a marvelous season. I think he's considering that he basically doesn't have a number one or even a number two wide receiver to throw to. I think he's having a marvelous wide, re- a marvelous season. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for the chat. That's all I got. Thank you. Appreciate that. You know, again, the hypocrisy of these leagues does get me fired up. And I did a whole podcast on it today. Uh, it's just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And I acknowledge that we have a lot of problems in our society as it deals with hate speech, as it deals with racism. And if you don't believe in that, then you're naive. All right. And you're living on You're living in a, in a on a foreign, uh, you're, you're living in outer space or in a cave. All right. You, we, I do acknowledge that, but there's no consistency at all with these delicate, sensitive, hurtful issues that face our society. There's no consistency at all in our leagues. Zero consistency. Let's get to Waggus right here on Listen Up. Hey, Waggus. Hey, Grant. Yeah, just love the talk. Uh, you know, really disappointed in everything that's going on. You know, Kyrie Irving is supposed to be, comes out as a man of faith, right? And, you know, he really had a chance to apologize in that press conference and the way he was acting. I mean... I don't think he really cares, you know. Yeah, it's, it's you know, because here's the thing: even if you think that what you said was not, when you're confronted about it, you at least can say, "Hey, you know, that's not what I meant." You know, at least you know, it's it's uh yeah. And and getting on the basketball side of, you know, it really pisses me off what happened to Nash. Okay, because Nash did not deserve that. I mean, look at what he put up with, and I I mean I I don't think this team is going anywhere. Do you? No, I don't. And I'll tell you, I've, I'm, I know I've been here before. Nash is the happiest guy in the world right now. Don't feel sorry for Steve Nash. He's like, man, thank God you got me the hell out of there and I get my money and I get out of here. Steve Nash is fine. Trust me on that. Steve Nash is just fine. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think Nash is like a poor coach or anything. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, do you think that he'll get another opportunity? I'm talking no. about from a basketball point of view. Why not? Probably not. Probably not. You know, Sean Marks said this about the uh, dismissal, quote, we both felt this was time. It was certainly trending that way. And to be quite frank, the team was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. We've fallen from our goals of meeting our goals. And it was time now because we still have lofty aspirations of where we need to get to. All right. So, you know, again, I'm telling you that Steve Nash is the happiest freaking guy in the world right now. All right. I guarantee you he's happy to be out of that mess. That's fine. All I'm asking 
your opinion. Do I think he's going to get another job as a head coach in the NBA? No, I don't. Okay, so you don't think he's a – I mean, you have to take the other stuff out of it. So you don't think he has what it takes to, from a basketball point of view to coach no, in the league? No, you didn't ask me that. You, okay. th- th- those are two completely okay. different okay. questions you asked me. Okay. You asked me if I felt he was going to get another job, and I said no. I, th- right. this, okay. Your second question is completely different. I didn't think Ime Yudoka would get another okay. job, and a lot of people didn't feel that Ime Yudoka would ever get another job coaching in the NBA. And here we are, what, four weeks later, and he's on the doorstep of becoming the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, again, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. He could get another job. I just don't see it happening. Let me ask you this. Do you think that he deserves to get another job? I don't think anyone deserves to get another job. I think you earn your job. I think, you know, as far as deserves, okay. I mean, I think Dave Yeager should be a head I think I think Dave Yeager deserves to be yeah. – uh, uh, a head coach in the NBA again. All right. But he's, he does, he's not a head coach. He's an assistant head coach with Philadelphia, you know? So the word deserves, I try, like I just used it, but I tried not to use that. I believe that Dave Yeager has earned the opportunity to get another job coaching in the NBA. As far as deserves, I always thought Elston Turner, longtime defensive coach of the Kings and many other winning organizations should have been a head coach in the NBA. I thought if you ever wanted to use the word deserved, I really felt he deserved an opportunity to be an NBA head coach, but he never got it. So I know a lot of assistant coaches that I feel would make excellent NBA head coaches. And I believe they put all of their work in, paid all of their dues. And to use your word deserves, I think they deserve an opportunity. But, you know, there's only 30 jobs and there are a lot of coaches out there that feel that they can do an excellent job. 30 jobs. So they're not hard to come by. I mean, a lot of people feel Mark Jackson should get another opportunity. I I, well, I know, but a lot of people do. A lot of people feel he should be a head coach again. No, no, no. I do as well, and that's what I was Oh, you do. I'm you. sorry. Yeah, 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 I do. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I know he got his money and everything, but, you know, you know he, he was going to be the coach, and they had big aspirations. I just kind of felt like he had to deal with a lot of other crap that, you know, no coach should ever have to deal with. That's it. And, I mean, and that's, th- that's very true. And and there could be another or first of all, this is a relationship business. Okay. So all it takes is one general manager okay. in one team that loves Steve Nash and when there's an opening is gonna hire. That's how everything works in the NBA. It's about relationships. You know, it's a fraternity, it's a network. And that's how coaches get jobs for the most part in the NBA. Okay. So you called that he was gonna get uh, fired. I believe you we're saying this about a few weeks ago. Not obviously, this team's not winning. Um, so, do you think Durant gets traded here soon? Then, because I mean, if they're I, not going to reach their potential, you know, yeah, he will not get traded. Um, first of all, I don't know. I don't think that there are teams out there that are willing to give up what the Nets want for Kevin Durant. And I, I did. I predicted Steve Nash would not be coaching a team by Thanksgiving. I mean, I think the writing was on the wall. But if I'm an NBA franchise i'm not going after kevin durant i'm not going to take uh an individual of his age with his injury history and give away my future for kevin durant i'm not doing that well they had a chance to get jalen brown and marcus smart in the summer and i think they missed yep. a golden opportunity because they could I agree 100 and i will say this okay i don't think that you can give away Kyrie anymore i think that even the lakers would, would rather stick with westbrook now obviously Agreed. you know yeah, it's. I mean, he's a. Yeah, it's. It's. Uh, I don't even know what to say. And I'm. Gonna, yep. I, and I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna talk about Ben Simmons, because I don't think the guy should be even be playing basketball. Have you seen him play lately? I mean. Uh, I mean, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's it, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I, I I don't know what else to say about that. I would say one thing about making trades with stars, though. And Durant is a different situation. But you know, when you always say, well, gee, you know, you don't want to trade stars. Well, the Utah Jazz traded both their stars. And look at their record. They just beat Memphis in back-to-back games. And they are now in the Western Conference at 6-2, and all right? They have the most wins in the Western Conference, all right? The Jazz do at 6-2. and So, you know, again, I know it's only eight games. It's a small sample size. But how about the Jazz? I mean, what they've done is pretty remarkable. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, kind of the counter argument there is the Cavs looking uh, are looking pretty good, too. Yes. Um, but, you yep. know, obviously we will see. All right. Well, Grant, I don't know if you are going to go to the game tomorrow to support our Kings or no. Uh, no, I am not going to the game tomorrow. And if I did go, I'd probably root for Miami. 
Okay. All right. Well, it's okay. You know, I understand. Um, but you know, I, I just want to say one thing. Thirty-nine more to go. Yeah, and I'm just I'm joking. I wouldn't. I, I know, just so I know. you know, just so you know, I'm I'm joking. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't root for Miami. But you know, I guess I should tell people I don't root for the Kings anymore. I don't root for them to win. I don't root for them to lose. I I just follow the league in general now. I I follow the Kings every game uh, because of my audience, and I know how much interest there is. But I don't root for the Kings anymore. I stopped rooting for the Kings two years ago. It doesn't mean I don't follow them. Doesn't mean that I'm not right. uh, uh, talking to a lot of people within the organization and still have all of my contacts. But I don't sit in front of my TV and root for the Kings to win anymore. I don't root for them to lose either. I just I now cover the whole league, and I don't really have a team that I root for. Does that? I hope that makes sense yeah. to you. No, and and that doesn't. Uh, I appreciate you doing that, but you know we understand. I mean, I, I know I do, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people on this call we understand. You know, we understand what happened. Yeah. And, you know, we're okay with that. But you know, you know, you don't have to do this. But I appreciate you doing the post game show. You know, I, yeah, um, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I really I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, yeah. and I'm gonna do it tomorrow too. So I couldn't do it last night um, because of Monday Night Football. But I will do it tomorrow. I, I'll I'll be on after the Miami game. And and of course, I think everybody would love to see Aaron Rodgers on your podcast and maybe uh, Mad yep. Dog Russo on your on your YouTube channel. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I will get Chris on my YouTube channel for sure. Not not a not a problem. Uh, and as far as Aaron Rodgers, I am going to reach out to him as soon as the season is over. It'd be great to have him on as well. So yeah, those are things that I'm really hoping to uh, have on my podcast. But tomorrow, all right. Again, for everyone listening, uh, I will be on li- here. Listen app right after the Kings heat game. And then I'm going to do a show. Uh, maybe I'll have to look at the schedule, but I'm going to do a, a post game show on YouTube where we can utilize the chat and see how that goes right. as well. And then I'm going to have a watch party on no filter network one night where we can all watch the game together and we can all be on the screen together. If we want to do an interactive chat that way. So I got a lot of things that I'm working on, but I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for, you know, everything that you'd bring to this channel, your support, uh, and everything else. So thanks. Thanks as always. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I look forward to no filter. I've never, I, I don't know what it is. So it, it'd be nice. It's basically, it. it's basically listen app. That's a visual medium. It's basically this, but it's on the internet. So it's interactive just like this, but instead of not being able to see you, you will be able to hit the knock button on no filter and I'll be able to put you up on the screen with me and I can put as many people as I want on the screen. So we could have a watch party where we're all on the screen watching the same game and commenting on it. Perfect. All right. No, sounds good. I appreciate it, Grant, as always. Waggus, you have a good evening. Thanks, bud. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. I should have, you know, the reason why I said that, I always get people hit me up on social media, you know, hey, how about the Kings and this and that? And I go, you know, I don't root for the Kings anymore. I'm sorry to say that. You know, my life's different now. So, you know, I, I watched and I followed the whole league closely. And, you know, I'm obviously following the Kings closer than I am the Utah Jazz, you know, or the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I would think most people would be able to understand that. Also, speaking of the Kings, Jerry Reynolds, he will be on with me tomorrow on my YouTube channel, if you don't like that with Grant Napier, at 3 o'clock Pacific. There you have it. I know Jerry roots for the Kings. I would say he probably doesn't root for the Kings as much as he used to, but I don't want to put words in his mouth. But I know he still wants to see uh, the Kings succeed. And I've said this before, and maybe I need to brush this up a little bit so people don't misconstrue what I'm saying. This is what I root for. I root for the fans of the organization. That's what I root for. I root for people like Waggus and so many others that are on this app, that aren't on this app, that have put in so much of their free time and their money and their sports effort rooting interest into that franchise. I root for the fans. So if the Kings could bring the fans happiness, that would make me unbelievably happy and grateful. Although I'm not openly rooting for the Kings to win, I'm rooting for you, the fans, to be able to experience 
the euphoria that I experienced being behind the microphone for 32 years and in some of those years doing playoff games and the atmosphere that comes along with doing the playoffs. That's what I root for. I will always root for that. The bond that I have with the Kings fans will never dissipate. That doesn't, well, that will never, ever, ever go away. So I hope that makes sense. I want you as a Kings fan to experience the joy that comes with being at a playoff game and playoff series. So I root for that, okay? I root for you fans to end your misery, okay? That's what I root for. I don't openly sit in front of the TV or on my laptop or if I'm traveling on my phone, you know, following the game bucket by bucket and getting excited when I see that somebody made a three-pointer. That that doesn't do it for me anymore, all right? But I'm also not rooting for the team to lose. I'm just not really rooting for the team. I'm not following the team with the same personal love and interest that I had before. I think most people would understand that, all right? I'll, I'll use an analogy, all right? For those of you that have been divorced, all right? You know, if you go through a divorce and it wasn't a bad divorce, if it wasn't one of, uh, or you break up with a significant other and you wish them well and it just didn't work out, but you wish them well and you're still friends with them and you wish them for the best in their life, but you're, you don't have the vested interest. You're not, you know, you don't have the feelings. That's how I would describe the Kings for me. All right. It's like an ex that I wish well. Hey, I really wish you the best of luck. You know, great person. And I wish you much happiness. But you're you're not as vested in that individual anymore. That's how I am with the Kings right now. That's the best way that I can explain it. But for you, the fans, and so many other thousands of fans, what I want for you is to experience the joy of rooting for a good team. That's what I would like. But as far as wins and losses, no, no, not part of my life anymore. All right. What is part of my life is going out and uh, getting ready for dinner. That's part of my life. So I'm going to start working on that and uh, put this on my platforms tomorrow. Jerry Reynolds at three o'clock on my YouTube live channel. If you don't like that with Grant Napier, then right back here on Open Forum Wednesday at four o'clock Pacific. So you make it a good rest of the day. Today was an interesting show. Good show. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for your support. It means a lot to me, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody.